Hey everyone, and welcome back. This is Gospel Nate once again with episode 12 in our series. This one is again a special episode. I got two more weeks of these coming in, so it'll be two more weeks publishing on Sunday before we get back to our usual Saturday publishing schedule. Also, there's a video to go along with this, and I'll put that link down in the description of this podcast episode. This one is part two of the one we did last week, returning to sin or returning to your vomit. Whichever way you want to look at it, it's still gross either way. Uh, we'll go over some of what we went over last week, and we'll be touching on some new stuff. So without further ado, here is episode 12, Returning to Your Sin, part two. Okay, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time that we have together. Lord, I do need you in this. What we're about to dive into is its heavy. And most of us don't understand it. So Lord, I ask that you would give me the words to speak and the wisdom to know what not to say. Just give you the praise for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> all right. Let's start. Now, last week we called the message Returning to Your Vomit. This, yes, yes it is. This week we're calling it Returning to Your Sin. Or Going into Darkness. Last week on Gospel Nate, <laughs> I got to lighten up this. <laughs> this is this was not the message I had planned on teaching. This was not where I thought this was going. And while in the shower Tuesday morning, asking the Lord where we're going with this and what I need to put together, He dropped the entire message on me in one sitting, <clears throat> which is unusual because. Typically, he gives me a little bit every day until it's time to present. So it was it was interesting in that he gave it to me all at once, and then I had to figure out how to articulate it, but he actually showed me the illustrations to use, which is also interesting. So the only thing I really had to do was put this down and figure out how to make PowerPoint do what I wanted to do. <laughs> So last week, we looked at what it looks like to return to sin that we had gotten freedom from. We looked at the spiritual implications it has in our life, how it can block the things from the spirit from getting into the soul, <clears throat> and shut down things that have already made it into the soul from, get, from going from your spirit into your soul. We determined the soul implications. We found that there can be physical consequences for this as well. Okay, anytime you go back to a sin that you got freedom from in bondage, uh, and it was something that had some sort of a physical reaction. Um, so, for example, bad back, bad knees, allergies, uh, chronic fatigue, you name it. Depression, when you go back to a sin that causes the root of that to happen, then going back into that sin will cause that thing to come back on you. So Peter gave us some strong words of warning about going back in 2 Peter 20 through 22. 
uh, chapter 2, 20 through 22. <laughs> For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the latter end is worse than the beginning. <clears throat> now the word for pollution there is the Greek word miasma. And miasma was that cloud that we walk into. It's a pollution. It has a foul odor, a foul taste, a foul smell. And epigenosis was the revelation of knowledge given to people by Jesus Christ. So this is a message to Christians. It's a warning to Christians, not unbelievers. Going on to verse 21, for if it would, for, sorry, for it would have been better for them to have not, let me start over again. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. Now, that word known is epigenosko, which is the active knowing of something. It's been revealed to you, you know it. It's something that was applied at one point, and then you turned away from it. <clears throat> Verse 22. But it has happened to them, according to the true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit and a sow having washed to wallow in the mire. So the end is always worse than the start. So you started out in a sin, you got freedom from it, you went back to it, and that second end is always worse than it was when you first got into it. Jesus spoke similar words back in Matthew 12, verses 43 through 45. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places, seeking rest, and finds none. Then he says, I'll return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. So it shall be with this wicked generation. These are serious words with serious implications, because whether it is the result of an unclean spirit leading you back into sin, or it was a result of your own choice because you believed one little time, a little bit of dabbling won't affect you. The bottom line is it does. And your final state is worse than your first. And right there. So we talked about circumcision in last week's message. So it showed that it had two purposes in our lives. Uh, the first one was actually covenant with God to show that there was a, a physical difference in us. And the second one was to remove the foreskin so that any of the defilement that would be trapped up in there from not properly cleaning would be removed from the issue and not to be considered. All right. There was no safe way of going back into uncircumcision. Because we discussed that. Trying to take that foreskin and stitch it back on after it's been cut off. It leads to infection. It's going to lead to all kinds of issues and health in your body. And eventually it's going to lead to death. And it's no different than when we're doing the same thing in our own lives today. Because Jesus gave us circumcision of the heart. Okay? 
So no longer is it a physical act, it's something that happens in our heart. He gives us that circumcision, writes his commandments on our heart, and then if we go back to it, <coughs> it is the same exact thing with a spiritual and soulish repercussion that can lead to physical repercussions. And at the same time he wrote the commandments of, on our heart and gave us circumcision, he actually gave us power and authority to do the commandments that he had given us. So it's not like we're helpless. Okay. So going backward is never good. It is, like we just said, like stitching the foreskin back on. It leads to disease and festering and is always followed by sickness, followed by death. Which brings us... Yeah, they're loading a truck. Am I in the way? No, you're good. Okay. So, last week I did my own little chart here. This is your heart. Your heart is a block. <laughs> it's, it's verifiable in Scripture. Jesus took away our heart of stone and gave us a heart made of flesh. Okay? This is the hardness that surrounds your heart. As we deal with the different issues that God brings up in our lives, uh, areas of unforgiveness, areas of judgment, areas of self-condemnation, uh, sin that we've made covenant with and given power and authority over our lives, we begin to get freedom in these little areas. So for reference sake, all the black is hardness of heart. All the red is where you have dealt with those issues and you have freedom. There's your spirit. Spirit is kind of centered in there so that we can see that there is something happening inside of you working its way out from your heart and into the white areas. Let's get that up there. This area right inside here would be your soul. Heart and then spirit right there. So when you have issues in your heart that have been dealt with, the things of your spirit can get out of your heart into your soul and it starts to affect your body in all different areas but then along comes this lovely little purple attractive looking piece of sin now this could be either a friend that you used to hang out with and you used to do this whatever sin activity with them and they decided, well, I don't want to do this by myself, so I'm going to get my friends back with me to do it with me because if this guy's doing it with me, then it's okay because I'm not in it alone. Right? That's one of the things we discussed as being a possibility for why we would go back into it. Another possibility is you just looked at the sin and, you know, we'll use the example of porn and ad pops up on your computer and rather than having the forethought to say, okay, Lord, I'm seeing something here that I don't want to be seeing. Show me what you want me to be thinking about this right now. Show me how to respond. And instead, you say, huh, I remember I used to watch that. I kind of miss it. One little peek, just one little peek wouldn't hurt, would it? Turns out it does. Because that sin jumps back in there plugs up that part of your soul and as long as you see it as being attractive 
pretty or giving you benefit, you're going to stick with it. You're not going to deal with it. It's just going to stay there and it's going to be an issue. And you're going to continue on in that issue. But it gets worse because along comes another piece of sin, whatever it is, fill in the blank. doesn't even matter what it is because sin is sin. And you buy into the lie there that it's attractive and useful and you take it on. And all of a sudden, the stuff that was coming out of your spirit and into your soul gets cut off. In that area of your life, you are now no longer effective in ministry to any degree. So let's say, for example, that that piece that just got cut off was intended for the ministry of teaching. Well, I've just stepped back into sin. I now have this wall of sin right there blocking off the spiritual anointing of teaching that should have been getting into my soul. I've just cut myself off from being an effective teacher. I have cut myself off from being able to affect people completely. Paul said it best when he said that to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. Everything they touch is now defiled by that sin. And as long as it is surrounded in that pretty, pretty shade of purple right there around the edges, and I think it has benefit, I won't get rid of it. And because it is returned back into my hardness, it forms scar tissue, so to speak. Spiritual scar tissue. And one thing we know about scar tissue is that it's tough. It is really tough skin. It's not easy to cut. And I've got a scar on the side of my finger right here. I chopped it off with a machete because, you know, that's what you do when you're not paying attention when you're swinging a machete. But I chopped it off and now I have this thick piece of skin here that does not have a whole lot of feeling to it. I can poke it. I can kind of feel some stuff there, but not a whole lot. By the same token, you take the sin back on and all of a sudden, because you've taken it back on yourself, you don't feel the same consequences and damage. You've scarred that area so that you don't feel it as much which makes it a lot harder to deal with if you don't feel there's a problem, right? Oh, okay. Settle down. Blacked out on me. <laughs> so, moving on. Lies will get you if you let them. Everything we just discussed was a result of lies things we believe that we went back to, whether it was a lie we told ourselves or a lie that somebody else told us. But there's never a good excuse for it. Never. Ultimately, it's just about selfishness. It will always cost you. And believe it or not, the second time around will cost you more than the first time because it's harder to get out of it the second time if you don't have a right response initially. That first time you stumble, you fall on your face, and you if you don't have the right response of, okay, I did this and I should not have done it. Lord, please forgive me. Cleanse me. I did this. I repent of it. And you start walking out in the freedom that you know you're supposed to have. 
If that's your response, then everything's going to be good. If that's not your response and you get into self-judgment, condemnation, imputing your own judgment on God and saying that he's judging you and he sees you as bad and he sees you as unrighteous and you keep avoiding him and you go further into your sin to just prove how bad you are and see, oh God, I'm so bad, I keep doing this. You're building that hardness and you're making it harder for yourself to get back. So you believe that freedom can't be had for you. Freedom becomes a lie to you because, well, I mean, if freedom was true, then I wouldn't be stuck in this sin anymore, right? I would have total freedom. And we know people who have done this. They've gained the freedom, walked right back into the sin, and then complained that it wasn't effective. Freedom is always effective if you actually want it. And this is not the worst of it. What if we have not dealt with a sin issue? Or worse, we have a pride issue and haven't talked to God about it. So follow me into the darkness. Come on. <laughs> Even the PowerPoint doesn't want to. <laughs> the Descent. James 1, 22 through 24. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. These are strong words from James, and we gloss over this really quickly a lot of times. And it's interesting because I actually got a slightly different take out of this from the last time I went over this passage. So Greek, that word doers is the Greek word poietes. A doer, a performer, one who obeys or fulfills the law. They're not just sitting around on their laurels, just, oh, I know the thing. No, they actually do the thing in question. They function in it. A hearer does not. They never apply it. They walk around, hear a bunch of good teachings, read the scriptures, study it out, and then do nothing with it. It just sits around collecting dust. James 1, 23-24, I'm just going to go back over this. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror, for he observes himself and then goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. The word observes is the Greek word katanoio, to study closely and examine in fine detail. It comes from two Greek words, kata meaning down or to a fine point, and noyo, to exercise your mind. Forgets is the Greek word epilanthanomai. It's an active middle voice. Intentionally forgetting and not applying. So you heard it, and then you didn't apply it. It's not even necessarily an act of casually forgetting something. You know, somebody comes up and gives you an address for someplace, 
You hear what they say and you go about your day and forget the address, right? Versus you hear what they say, you remember what they say, and you just don't care. You just don't apply it. Or maybe you heard some heard what they said, you do actually care about it, and you still don't apply it. It's like the old saying goes, the road to hell, hell is paved with good intentions. I intended to apply it at some point. <laughs> what good did that do anyone? So most of us tend to fall into the latter. We hear something really good and we just don't apply it. It's just average everyday human experience to hear a good word and just, yeah, okay, that was really good. I'm gonna to get to that one day and then I'm just gonna, I'm gonna go over here and do this other thing over here because this is important to me right now. So we know the word, we have access to it. <coughs> Most of us understand the application of the word once we've studied it out, but we sit on it and do nothing. This can be split into active and passive nothings. Passive, darkness just takes over your mind. Active, darkness overtakes your mind and hardens your heart along the way. And there's still more darkness. And I think my slides did it to me again. Yeah, they did. <coughs> okay. This is a menorah. For those of you who don't know, this is a very, very scaled down version of what would have been in the tabernacle. The menorah was the only source of light in the inner courts. This is where the altar of incense was and the table of showbread. If this thing wasn't lit, for all intents and purposes, there was no other light. So it was important for them to keep this thing lit all the time. got ahead of my slides. <laughs> so without it, there was nothing but darkness inside the tabernacle. And this menorah is what represents our minds. Matthew 6, 23. If your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? There we go. The word darkness at the very end is the Greek word skotos. It means darkened sight or blindness. Darkened sight or blindness. So, this is a scaled down version of the chart that we've been working with as far as body, soul, and spirit, or spirit, soul, and body. <laughs> so this is a scaled down version of the chart we've been working with this is part of your being that right there is your spirit in it should be dwelling the holy spirit it is colored in blue because you should have christ in you this right here is your mind. I'm sorry, your will. 
This is your will. This is where you make all of your choices. All of them happen right there. Over here, we've got your emotions. This is where you engage with pretty much everyone and everything around you. That right there is your heart. And all this stuff is the areas where we have our hardness. Judgments, condemnation, self-condemnation, unforgiveness, covenants we took on with sin, you name it. Over here, this is our mind. This is where we have all of our understanding. Everything that happens here and here is a result of what you understand over here. There's the menorah. See, I added animated flames to make it interactive. <laughs> okay, the menorah was the light of your mind. So when your mind has light, you can see through the hardness of your heart, or you can see through the cleared areas of your heart, I apologize, into your spirit, see what's going on up there, which then allows you to have a right response to things in your emotions. As a result of that right response, you can then make choices in your will for whatever's going on in the spirit. And you're giving the spirit authority in your life for what you're walking in. Having said that, if you're looking at an area of hardness of heart, you typically wind up making, having bad responses in your emotions, which then cause you to make poor choices in your will, giving authority to your flesh and walking out the things of the flesh. Now, what happens When you hear something and you don't apply it, or you hear something and you reject it, starting with the hearing but not applying, you'll begin to see right here, I should probably use the laser pointer, right here, the light's fading. It's slow, it's incremental, but the light's fading. You've gotten the knowledge, you've gotten the teaching, but you haven't applied it. And it's getting harder to see what's happening in your spirit. It's getting harder to see what's going on with your emotions. It's getting harder to see the effects that your choices are making. And it keeps going. Because you've not applied anything you've learned. And you're allowing your poor choices in life to be governed by your flesh which darkens your mind. It puts the light out slowly and makes it hard, impossible, really, to see what's going on up there. So even if you have freedom in all these areas, you're still not gonna make right choices 100% of the time because you can't see what's happening. You've closed that area of your mind down. It gets worse. Question. Yes. So, if those areas are closed off, it's going to affect the other areas that are open to the spirit. 
Yes, but these aren't closed off. You just can't see them properly. It shuts down your understanding of what's happening. Right, but that's that's what I'm asking. Okay. Even where the the door is open to the spirit, because you've got the other areas that are dark, it's going to affect hearing the spirit in yes. those areas. Yes, absolutely. And we're about to jump into that oh, on the next sorry. slide. No, you're fine. You're fine. That's a good question. So here we have the same chart squished over. I needed space. <laughs> so we had to make people smaller. So you're going through life and a friend, stop that. Don't do that to me. Get back to where, there you are. And a friend comes along and your PowerPoint just totally crashes on you. And it, it just completely blows your mind and Okay, from current. Okay, there we go. It's that rotation thing that happens on your... It just, I forgot to turn it on. <laughs> so you're going along and you're either sitting in church or a friend of yours comes along and makes an observation about your life. They make some kind of statement to, to, to you about something they observe or the pastor makes a statement that resonates with you about something you need to change. Okay, or maybe it's just something you need to apply to your life. It's not even necessarily you need to change it. You just need to apply it. All right? So they come along and they give you this lovely word of truth. All right? And in your will, if you hear this choice, or you hear this word, but because of whatever, you have a bad response in your emotions it tends to be because of an area of hardness of heart, all right? Something's going on right up here where either it's a wound, somebody said something to you once like this before, uh, somebody's beaten this point on you over and over again for something that's not actually there or maybe you just didn't see it, but they kept hammering it on you and they weren't doing it in the most loving and friendly way. It was just kind of... Uh, you need to change this because you suck versus, okay, buddy, what you're doing here is killing you and I don't want you to die. So let's talk about this. Totally different responses. But as a result, you have a bad response here. So you throw up a wall and block out that word of truth. You want nothing to do with it. It's just uncomfortable it's inconvenient it's not what you want to hear it's not what you want to deal with and why should you have to deal with it right well that has an effect and you're about to see that as that hardness in your heart begins to grow because it doesn't just affect that one area as you close off words of truth, it gives root and room for areas of hardness to begin to grow in your life. So even if it was only a small issue at one point, because you've chosen to shut it down and reject it, you have given grounds for it to take over more area. And I have stood there and watched people do this. It's 
scary when you realize it's happening for the first time because I would tell somebody something, they would hear what I'm saying and you see in their eyes that they have just taken what you've said, ran it through the filter of, I've heard this before, I don't want to hear this, you're annoying me. And they shut it down and act like everything's okay. But what they've just done is they've shut down my ability to minister them in this area. In all honesty, they've shut down the ability for anyone to minister to them in this area. Um, wouldn't it actually go benefit all the areas? Um, eventually. eventually, yes. But it takes time. And it's the stuff I've outlined here and shown, it's not stuff that happens in a snap. It's not something that happens in an instant in most cases. What I'm saying here is this, and, and I put it down in sanity. You put up the wall. Mm -hmm. My mind goes, when, when somebody says something to me, this is how I see you, or this is a possibility in your life, I automatically defend. I run to the defend mode. Okay? Mm -hmm. Oh, no, you're wrong. Oh, no. And I'm also, I'm listening at the same time I'm saying it to them. I'm hearing myself there. Oh, no, you're wrong. So you can't allow yourself to see it, and you won't accept it from them. Yes, and I've been there. I have been there in times when Greg has said things to me, Lee has said things to me, and in my heart I said, oh, no, oh, no, you're wrong. You're, you're, you're just wrong. Even if it wasn't directed at me. And I just, uh, nope, that's not me. Now, I did, and I, this is self-testimony here, because we always need a good self-testimony. I had completely shut down the ability of anyone in that group to minister to me in that area. Because I had summarily dismissed them as being wrong. And they will not understand, and no matter how hard I explain it, they won't get it, they're just wrong. Thankfully, they're not the only people out there trying to minister. Right. Jennifer. So when you see a person shut off like that as a minister, is it better just to leave it sit like that and not try to address that area again and just take it to prayer? Just start praying. Because in all honesty, when somebody has made the choice to shut it down, they're not hearing you no matter what. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter how right you are. Right. At that point in time, in my case anyways, the only one that was able to get through to me was Jesus. Mm -hmm. He was the one that had to do the ministry and he had to get a hold of my attention because I was in the position and of the mind and the determined will that nobody understood me. Mm -hmm. And Lee can point it out that when he first met me, I had the air of, I will fight you. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you have to say. I will fight you, and I will be right. So, but taking that to Matthew 18, how would that apply then if you are having conflict with a brother or sister? You, yes. Sorry, I just, I had had like a situation with someone um, in my life um, 
where I've been telling her this over and over, and I said, I'm at a point where I'm tired of being hurt, or you allowing this person hurting me. So I said, let's, uh, are you willing to um, call this other person who's actually like ministered, has ministered to both of us? And finally, we all were talking to this person, and pretty much that person said to my friend what I've been telling her all along, um, but because she didn't want to listen to me or hear what I have to say and doesn't like that I'm right a lot of times, not all the time, but she just didn't want to. And I said to her, she pretty much told you what I've been saying all this time, but she had to hear it from somebody else mm-hmm. that she respected, that she loved, or that she cared for. And it did work. I mean, it doesn't always work, but probably maybe, but. It does make a difference if it is somebody else, and I think it does make a difference also how you approach and say something to someone. Absolutely. And I'm assuming uh, Matthew 18 is where Jesus is saying, if you go in prayer and you remember you have something against a brother, go and make it right. No, it's the one that says, if you have something against somebody, go to him alone. Right. Not then go to one or two witnesses and then to the church. Okay. So... This is talking about an area of trying to minister to somebody else's blind spot. This is, oh, see, mind is spinning looking for a good example. So many of them. (laughs) All right, this is, you see somebody engaged in something that is hurting them and maybe hurting other people. And you go and you tell them, hey, this choice that you're making is bringing you death. Okay, and I know you don't see it because you keep doing it and you're not, there's no sign of any remorse or any shame. Okay, I'm telling you this because I don't want you to keep going down this road. And they look at you and say, oh no, no, you're wrong. That's not what I'm doing. You don't know my heart. Okay, that's not necessarily a situation where there's something between you and them. That is, they've shut you down. You saw something that was happening to them and brought it up to them. And they shut you down. They put up that wall and said, no, I don't want it. At that point, prayer is your only recourse because Jesus is the only one that's going to really be able to get through to them. And every time you try to press that issue, they just put up another wall and another wall. And it gets harder and harder and harder until finally they just break fellowship with you all together and say, I'm done. I want nothing to do with you because you always hurt me. Or I want nothing to do with you because fill in the blank. Mr. Eddie. Hi. Hi. This is one of those situations that they're all true. Okay, we need to really listen. But the big issue is um, listening to what the Holy Spirit is telling you on how you're going to deal with that person. Mm-hmm. If it gets to that point where they're in a position of authority and you have to go to them, have to deal with different things, have to keep bringing it bigger and bigger and bigger, you know, that's still a thing where you have to just listen to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But all of these, still the fact is that the person is not listening, and that not listening is causing the darkness. And that darkness, what they are doing is they are saying, my darkness is more important than the light that you're trying to give me. Mm-hmm. Choose the darkness. That's what we're talking about. Yep. Oh, that's right. It blinked out on me there.
but as I was going on, you have that hardness of heart that begins to grow. And when that hardness of heart begins to grow, the light of your mind again becomes darkened because this thing, this is the active not doing anything. The passive is you heard it and just didn't apply it. The active is you heard it and rejected it. And as you reject it, that light in your mind gets smaller and smaller and smaller until it starts to fade. And realistically, you start when people bring truth to you, you just don't hear it anymore. You don't understand it. And it's like they're talking gibberish to you. And you've gotten it into your head that they'll never understand you. So you're going to walk away. And the only one that can reach you at that point, like I was saying, is the Holy Spirit. Or some sort of tragic event happens in your life and then somebody shows up at the right time and says the right thing led by the Holy Spirit, which is still a work of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and then you have the breakthrough. Yes. Kind of intentional. Darkness. <laughs> your TV's not <laughs> Darkness is something we don't really understand and we play with all too easily all the time and i wanted to end this on a on a high note of you know here here here's the hope of the holy spirit and the hope of god but the lord wouldn't let me because he's the only one <coughs> that can get through to you at that point and the the takeaway from this is supposed to be we're playing with things that we don't understand and we're messing with things that are going to cause us damage and when he gave me the, the revelation of this message Tuesday morning at about 5.30 what his final statement was at the end of allowing my brain to untangle everything he had just said this breaks my heart. This breaks my heart because my children won't listen. And worse still, they refuse. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time that we had together. Lord, we thank you that you have taken the time to show us the things that break your heart. Because how can our hearts break appropriately if we don't know what breaks yours? But Lord, you are merciful. And we know that you will wrestle with us until the day we stop taking breath. And we give you the praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Good work. So what's the solution to